Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Kalamazoo, Michigan campus. For more info on the church, visit newdaycommunity.org. Let's uh, continue our series on Kingdom Parables. I'm, I'm really excited that I get to uh, speak. I've been looking forward to this series. I taught one of the other messages in Vandalia a few weeks ago, <clears throat> but um, the parables are fantastic teaching tools. It's why Jesus used them, and they're um, really just simple stories. And so as we talk through this uh, parable, remember that uh, you know these are not complicated theological th- theses. They're just simple stories that teach us relevant truths. And so um, the message of Jesus throughout his whole ministry focused on the kingdom, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. And in Matthew, right at the beginning of the gospel, right after Jesus was baptized and then led out into the wilderness for 40 days to be tested, he comes back and it says, from then on, so that from then to the rest of his time ministering, Jesus began to preach, repent for your sins, And turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. So the kingdom of heaven was one of it was the main uh, theme upon which all of Jesus' teaching is linked to, and he's trying to communicate in everything. The whole Sermon on the Mount, all of the other teachings that he does, all of it is talking about this thing called the kingdom of heaven. So we're looking at the parables to see how Jesus used parables to give us a picture of what the kingdom of heaven is like. And some of the ones we've looked at is kingdom value, the parable of the treasure and the great pearl. Uh, Kingdom methods, the parable of the mustard seed and the yeast. Uh, Kingdom invitation, parable of the great banquet. That's one I taught down in Vandalia. Um, All of these are online. You can listen to them for free. Uh, uh, Last week, king of the kingdom, talking about the prodigal son and the generous father, the forgiving father, who is the king. And then today, relating to the uh, kingdom, which is the parable of the persistent widow. But before we get into the parable, I want to ask, you know, what is, what is, what is the kingdom of heaven? All right, and kingdom is a word, what do you call it? A combination of two other words. Compound word, thank you very much, teacher. (laughs) A compound word. King, of course, we know what that is. It's the person in charge, the person who rules. But and then dome is the root word for words like domain or dominion or dominance. Right? And dome means rule or the area or the, uh, the people or the geography or the issues uh, over which the king has rule. Right? And so kingdom is the realm of where a king rules. So it's talking about the kingdom of heaven is not talking then about after we die. And that's what most people misunderstand the uh, parables and Jesus' teaching. Most of the time when Jesus uses the term or when you see the term kingdom of heaven in Scripture, it's talking about not what it's like in heaven, but rather what it is intended to be like when we're living under the rule of the king now. All right? Because, you know, we don't have to die to get to heaven. Did you know that? All right? You can step into heaven whenever you step under the rule 
and come under the reign of the king. You're living in heaven realities. Now, you do have to wait to die to enter into the fullness of what Christ has promised in the resurrection when we're given a new body. And that's because these physical bodies are not able to endure the incredible blessing of being in the full, unveiled presence of God. All right? So there's a degree to which it's not yet but Jesus taught throughout his ministry, there's a degree that you need to enter in now. And in fact, your ability to enter in in the future is dependent upon you entering in by faith right now. Does that make sense? All right, so it's important to come and step and live under the rule and the reign of the kingdom. And that's why we're taking time to talk through these parables so we know what it means to live and what it looks like to live under his rule. <clears throat> also, as we talk through this uh, parable today, please remember the uh, questions. If, you're be, if you'll be attending the life groups that are based on this uh, series, uh, there's three questions. What does this passage say about God? What does this passage say about people? And then what does this passage say about obedience? So those are the discussion questions. Just want to plant that in your mind so you're ready when you get to the life groups uh, later this week. Let's read this together out loud enthusiastically like young students in a classroom all excited about reading. Alrighty? Set? Let's go. Uh, one, two, three, start. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continually coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect, who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Amen. Hallelujah. <clears throat> so we're going to just talk through this story and kind of unpack it and describe what it means for us today. Beginning with verse 1, it says, And he told them a parable to the effect that they always ought to pray and not lose heart. Previous, in the previous section of Scripture in Luke 17, Jesus was talking about persevering in a fallen world. He's like, how bad it's going to get before his return. He actually said, before the return of the Son of Man, this is going to be happening, this is going to be happening, and you need to persevere. And then he tells this parable to illustrate the truth of perseverance and to focus in on a key element of how you persevere when you're struggling through uh, difficult times, and that is prayer. Unlike the other parables, or most parables, uh, the, the meaning of this parable is clearly stated at the beginning, that they always ought to prayer, uh, pray and not lose heart. Many of the parables, there isn't an explanation. Or he tells a parable and then later explains it to his, uh, his chosen, his twelve. 
But this one is a little different. It starts out telling us what it means. And so, <clears throat> again, parables are simple stories. We're already told what it means. And so what we need to do is kind of think through this together and figure out how it can apply uh, to our lives. So why do you think Jesus would feel it was important to address this issue of persevering in prayer and not losing heart? Because people give up. <laughs> All right? So if Jesus is talking about, listen, it's going to get really bad, don't give up, that means it means it's going to get really bad. And you're going to be tempted to lose heart. And so guess what? If you're in a situation and you feel discouraged, how many have ever felt discouraged? You're living a biblical life. Congratulations. Good. Good for you. Okay, you know, you get, people get beat up. They beat themselves up. And the enemy comes and beats themselves up, beat them up because they're discouraged. But Jesus actually said, this is going to happen. And he talks about it. Actually talks about it a lot through Scripture. He says, so he gets into the story to explain it a little more and to unpack it. He says, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversaries. All right, so in this simple story, what, who are the characters in this story? The widow. Good. And the judge. Anyone else? The adversary. Oh, we don't know much about the adversary. There's three main characters. A judge, a widow, and an adversary. So what was the issue being contested in this story? Justice. Justice. All right, so something happened to this widow. We don't know what. That was unjust. Probably the most likely scenario was that her husband died and their property was taken over by another person that she could not defend herself. Maybe they had an orchard or a vineyard or a flock. And because she couldn't uh, keep it safe, some other person just took over her land. And so she was denied access uh, simply because there was no one to defend her. <clears throat> and so the issue in the story is justice, and there's three characters. Justice, other translations, um, it's translated avenge. Avenge me, avenge me against my adversary. Or give me legal protection, or my rights are being violated. Wow. So these, this is the issue that Jesus is addressing and how the different characters in the story respond to that issue. And he says that this judge, though he refused, after a while he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect men, uh, yet because this widow bothers me, she just keeps bothering me, <laughs> I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down. Uh, it can be literally translated, break my head. <laughs> with her continual, uh, give me a headache, you know, that's one way they say it, uh, coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. He's like, listen to this. He's like, listen to what he said. All right. So something actually is repeated. There's only a few verses we're talking about today, but there's one part that's repeated that was in the earlier part. What's repeated about this judge? 
He doesn't fear God. He doesn't fear men. All right? And so there's an emphasis on this. Did the judge care? He didn't care about anything, did he? I don't care about God. I don't care about people. Remind you of anybody? <laughs> huh? Why do you think this is emphasized? Here's this guy in power that's acting as though he doesn't care. Do you think people in Jesus' audience, let's just think through this. When Jesus was talking and telling this story, do you think they could relate? You know, a judge, a, a legal system that wasn't acting fairly, or a politician, because the judge or a politician, especially in that day, it's kind of a similar role to us. They, they seem completely different, but really it's all part of the same system. Do you think they, they were like, I mean, do you know about an unjust situation in our society? Have you ever faced something that wasn't fair? Yeah. yeah. Or you see it on TV? It's constantly on TV. In the news, right? And so this idea of relating to the bad guy. And the bad guy in the story is the guy who has power but doesn't care. Or it doesn't seem like he's doing anything. And so I think Jesus probably got the people in the audience kind of like riled up. Yeah, yeah, that bad judge. I know someone like that. That's people you can take an advantage of. How do you think the widow felt? How would you feel if you were the widow? Was it worthless? Powerless. What's that? Powerless? Yeah. Discouraged. Who in this story does the judge represent? Jesus? Any other opinions? Who does the judge represent? This is a trick question. The enemy, well then who's the adversary? Oh. Who's the judge represent? The worldly system. I actually think there's, this is a trick question. This, many of the parables go down a track and then Jesus changes his thing. And so I, when I was studying this, I saw it in a different way than I'd ever seen it before. Because a little bit later in this parable, the next phrase, Jesus compares God as the judge. And we know that God is the judge. But do you ever, have you ever come across someone who felt that God was like this judge? He doesn't care. He's not treating me fair. He doesn't answer my prayer. He doesn't hear. Right. In fact, I encounter this issue in people's lives on a regular basis. Not when people are on their Sunday morning church. Everything's great. How you doing? Good to see you. Hallelujah. Bless you. But when they're, when they're facing real trouble... Or when the troubles last a long time, they get to the place where I don't think God even cares. I was with a group of pastors. Jimmy was with me in England. 
And it was a roundtable discussion. It was actually it wasn't a table. It was a big circle of past, pastors. And almost every one of them, the issue that they were struggling most with was it seems like God just doesn't answer prayers. Why do people not get healed? And the, story after story of, of people enduring hard, hard issues. And these pastors like didn't have an answer. Listen, pastors, some of them with decades of experience, we're struggling with this issue. God doesn't seem very just. It doesn't seem like God cares. And so I think that this, this image of an unjust judge that has power but doesn't do anything is what a lot of people project onto the, onto the Father. All right? And we need, to, we need to learn a different way. And I think Jesus is going to trap people and then switches it around and says, God's not that way. And we're going to get that too. We're going to get to that in a minute. We don't know much about the widow, but uh, we do know what? She kept coming. Right? She didn't give up. And she demanded justice. Right? And this is a key thing. She wasn't just asking for, you know, a new car. She was praying for her rights to be uh, defended. And also she wasn't intimidated by either the judge or the adversary. Right? And that's, Jesus is praising this. She didn't give up. Why do you think Jesus chose a widow for this part of the story? didn't have a husband to advocate in that culture she had absolutely no power at all she was absolutely powerless right? that's not the case in our culture but in their culture <coughs> a, a woman without a husband had no rights and no one to defend her in fact that's why in the Old Testament law and it seems strange to us but if you read it there was a requirement that if uh, someone died and left a widow, the, the man's brother had to marry. Yeah. And to us, it's like, that's, that sounds kind of weird. But the reason for that was because the culture, for her protection and for her provision, she required it. And so Jesus picked the most powerless person in the community to represent his chosen people. To me, that screams values. That's contrary to the values of the world. And Jesus is teaching us this is what this is the things that are important in the kingdom, right? <clears throat> but because of a simple characteristic that she demonstrated, that she persevered, she didn't give up. She eventually got justice and got her prayer answered. All right, said, <clears throat> continuing on, verse 7 and 8. So Jesus replies and switches the story around. He says, Will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. I like how it's translated in the message, uh, more modern uh, paraphrase. It says, So what makes you think God won't step in? and work justice for his chosen people, who continue to cry out for help. Won't he stick up for them? I assure you, he will. He will not 
drag his feet. All right, so one of the questions is, what does this passage say about God? What does this say about God? He's just. What else can we learn about God? He actually answers prayer. Speedily. He cares. He loves. He responds. He's not like that judge. Like, yeah, that judge, that judge is bad. Yeah, God's not like that judge. He's really not like that judge. Oh. Jesus is challenging the inherent accusation that we all, listen, we all struggle with it at some point in our lives. That God doesn't care, he's not listening, he doesn't treat us justly. All right, And then the adversary is the one who comes along and reminds us of that. That your prayers are not being answered, God's not standing up for those who are oppressed, I'm not getting what I deserve, you know, why is this taking so long? And that's just the accusation. It's unspoken most often, but constantly repeated by the enemy. And often we agree to it because we make a mistake in which we define God through the lens of our experience. Because if, if you experience disappointment, you're praying for something and it doesn't happen the way you were praying for it, and so you get disappointed. And you buck up and you try it again. You pray and pray and it doesn't happen. You get disappointed. And after a while, that disappointment just builds up and the enemy turns it into an accusation. And then you, 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 you begin to see God as a distant judge who doesn't care. Right. And what we're supposed to do instead is to define our experience through our understanding of our God and our relationship with God and Jesus Christ. In other words, because Jesus is good and because God is good and He is faithful and He is just and He does care, He cared so much, He sent His only Son to die on the cross to take the penalty of everything that separates us from Him upon Himself and deal with that so we can have access because he cares so much, he crossed the divide from heaven to earth to rescue us. All right? And so because of that, I can now see my situation not as the judge's fault, but the adversary's fault. And I believe that the judge is on my side. And I believe that he is going to come through and help me. I just don't know when. But I'm not going to give up believing in him, regardless of what I see. So you have to you have to force, you have to endure, and you have to retrain yourself to interpret your experience by your understanding your relationship you have with God and not uh, interpret God through the lens of your experience. It's so important in your life. Um, and understand that God's timing is a little different than our timing. All right? Like Dennis was saying, you know, 25 years, if 100 People say, boy, I'd like a lot more. I'm like, I'd like a lot more too. <laughs> you know? But we are making a difference. And uh, as we live faithfully, we're trusting God. Each day we persevere, we stay faithful to the end. God will come through. And that's the suddenlies of God. 
Um, <clears throat> another passage says, speaking of being persistent in prayer, there's just tons of passages throughout the Bible. I'm just going to highlight a few in the New Testament. In Luke 21, <clears throat> this is also right after a section of Scripture where Jesus was talking about what it's going to be like before his return uh, and the final judgment. It says, stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. So in other words, he's saying, listen, guys, it's going to get really hard, so you're going to have to stay awake. It doesn't mean you can't sleep. It means you need to be alert and be aware of what's going on. Why? So that you can be praying. Why? So that you can have strength. It's going to take this vigilant prayer in order to endure what was coming. Jesus warned us that. Peter repeats it. He says, The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayer. Peter wrote that almost 2,000 years ago. If the end was at hand then, how much more is it at hand now? Amen? All right. So what does that mean? We need to be serious. Hey, guys, take this seriously. What? Praying. Praying for what? Endurance. Because you know what? It's going to get tough. And <clears throat> I don't know. I like to preach reality. <laughs> it's like reality TV. It's reality preaching. I believe God wants the best for us. I, I really do. I believe that God wants every one of his kids fundamentally to have a, a a life filled with joy and abundance. But you know what? Jesus also said, in this world you will have tribulation. <laughs> tribulation means to be put under pressure to the point where you're ground into powder. Okay, It literally means being crushed. The tribulum was a, 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 a what do they call those? Huh? Well, mortar and pestle. You, you grind something into dust. In this world, you will have tribulation. Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. Be serious and watchful in your prayers, because this stuff is coming. Colossians 4.2, continue steadfast in prayer, being watchful in it, with thanksgiving. We need to continue and not give up and, and, and take our needs to the Lord. And, of course, the famous one from Philippians 4, 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God in everything by prayer. So in every situation, in every circumstance, I like how the, the New Living Translation puts it, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. That's easy to remember, right? Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. So in the midst of, of, of pleading for justice, like this powerless widow was pleading to the judge, or pleading for God for a breakthrough for your financial state, or pleading to God for uh, salvation for your loved ones, or pleading for God for healing or deliverance from oppression, pleading for God, in the midst of that, one, don't give up, remain steadfast, and thank Him. 
Wow. Is that hard? Yes. But that is the defining characteristic that Jesus is saying is essential to enduring to the end. So there's a few things we learn about the kingdom here. The series is all about the kingdom. Uh, the kingdom cares. It's not like the judge who didn't care. Uh, the kingdom defends the powerless. And all of us at times in life feel that we're powerless against something that we're facing. And all people uh, matter in the kingdom. Every person, even the most disadvantaged. The kingdom is about justice, real justice. Uh, an oppression of every kind is contrary to God's nature. Uh, and his, his plan and under his rule, oppression will be dealt with. It doesn't teach us we can ask for anything. The, uh, the widow was pleading for defending her rights because she had been treated unfairly. Uh, but it does say that when we pray for what is right, God will hear and he will answer us. And it says that our way to relate to the kingdom, the name of this sermon is relating to the kingdom, is that it requires this persistent prayer. And prayer simply is, guys, it's just talking and communing with, with, the, with the Father. Right? Yes, it means getting on your knees or praying through a Lord's Prayer, but it also means just expressing your heart in meaning, uh, you know, what you really are feeling to God and listening for His response and reading His Word as a letter of response to your prayer and understanding how the two work together. And we teach lots of classes on how to hear God's voice. And all of it is is about communicating with God regularly and in a real way so that you can have the strength to endure uh, what the Lord has promised we will have to endure. <clears throat> then there's this last phrase. It says, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he, fi will he find faith on the earth? Has, anyone, has that verse ever stuck out to anyone? Do you think Jesus was actually, honestly, like asking a question? A challenge? It's an interesting question. Isn't it? Nevertheless, this is, this is Jesus talking. He says, when I get back, I wonder if I'm going to find anybody that has faith. I mean, every now and then you, you kind of get a peek into Jesus' feelings. You know, like when he looked to his disciples after the crowd all left, he looked at his 12 and said, are you going too? I mean, something in that is like you just kind of see Jesus revealed. So he just did this big sermon on perseverance, and he thought, I wonder if anybody will persevere. He actually jumps back to the topic that was being discussed before this parable, which was the day of his return, the return of the Son of Man. <clears throat> so why do you think he connects persevering to the end and the tribulation that's coming and getting through that and the story that we just talked about. He didn't see it in the group. He didn't see how they were responding. Any other reasons? He's telling us the answer, so he did it right. He's telling us the answer, yeah. 
It's like, listen, this is what it's going to take. Persistent prayer, when we feel powerless, victimized, and ignored, is a defining characteristic, but it's also an essential tool. All right? For those who will have faith to endure to the end. <clears throat> what if, what if today is the end? What if uh, at 1.15 p.m. on November 4th, two days before the election? (laughs) 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 What if God just says, it's done? Is he going to find faith? Who's it up to? Who's it up to? Everyone say, me. Because that's really what he's, that's what he's concerned about. He's concerned about you. He's concerned that you are living a life of faith today. And there's, there's, you know, either you haven't come to a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ And this is all new to you. You haven't really bought in. And if you haven't, I encourage you to buy in. To accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. To believe He is who He said He is. And that He died on the cross to take away the punishment and the penalty of all sin of every man, woman, and child on planet Earth. So that whoever responds to His call will be able to live eternally with Him in a place where there is no injustice, where there is no oppression, where there is no sin, where there is no sickness. Or, you're like many people, we've believed, but we've become discouraged to the point where we're giving up. And it's like we've tried it so long, who cares? Just you're in coast mode. Coast mode will not get you through the persecution that's to come and the persecution that's here. But unfortunately, I, I get to travel a lot, and so uh, we're suffering persecution. It's called the persecution of abundance. We have very little need. And so it's very easy to live lukewarm. I was just in Turkey where my friend was in prison for two years. And thankfully he's gotten released. But the oppression there was like people's lives are at stake. All right? Well, the oppression in Japan where culturally, if you become a Christian, you're ostracized. All right? Or in other countries, I just read in Pakistan, uh, thousands and thousands of Christians have been killed by the blasphemy law. You know, and this woman that was, was released, but now they're talking about bringing her back and her life is threatened. When is the persecution coming? You're living it. When is Jesus coming? I don't know, but it could be this afternoon. Are you living the life of faith? I encourage you to do so.